Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings. Time for School, Rock School, with your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. <laughs> the guitarist Buckethead played in a makeshift chicken coop. They built a chicken coop for him. I don't know. <laughs> Class is in. It's the Rock School radio show emanating from the campus, Southeastern Louisiana University, down here where New Orleans is really, really cool. My name is Joe Burns. You are? Monique Gregoire. Okay, it is Christmas time. We're going on a Christmas show next week. Yeah. But if you're thinking about buying me something, Monique, how about something <laughs> unbelievably expensive? Uh-huh. Huh? Sure. Yeah. Sure, yes, because that's what makes a good present, something unbelievably <laughs> expensive. Sure, it isn't the thought that counts anymore. That's what we just tell children. Exactly. Now, an album. Here is the, the concept of this show. I have postulated on this show, and it is all over the Internet, that the most expensive album ever created is Queen's A Night at the Opera. Okay. Okay. That has I have said it on this show. It's mm-hmm. on numerous websites. I can find sources to back me up on that. Okay. Every time I say it, it kind of bugs me a little bit because somebody always yells, well, what about Chinese democracy? Because it took, I don't know, eons to finish. I remember and that when it came there's, out. Oh, right. So it's always bugged me. Is that a correct fact? Is hmm. Queen's A Night at the Opera really the most expensive album ever created? Well, no. Oh, really? It is not. So huh. what I've done is found out exactly how much it costs to make that album, mm-hmm. and then I've tried to find the most expensive album and in some cases, I could find money, and in some cases, I could only find circumstantial evidence. Okay. So, let's see if I can give you some stuff. And you, you the listening audience, and you, Monique, mm-hmm. try to figure out the most expensive album ever to make. <laughs> Queen's A Night at the Opera. The album was recorded at six different studios, took close to a year to produce. Here are the amounts I found. Okay. Some websites say it was as low as 45,000 pounds to create. Remember, this was in 1975. Right. To 100,000 pounds to create. Now, obviously, you have to adjust for inflation. Correct. Fine. Adjusting for inflation. Mm -hmm. One pound in 1975 would be worth 9.1 pounds today. Okay. So that would be 409,110 pounds at 45,000. Uh-huh. To 900,100 pounds today. Mm-hmm. Okay. Adjust up for dollars. One pound equals 1.68 US dollars. So the cost in American money today, US dollars, would be between 687,960 and $1,512,000. Wow. It is not by any stretch of the imagination, the most expensive album ever created, even when adjusted for inflation. Oh, I could imagine, because okay. as, as much money get thrown, gets thrown around now, you know. Sure. Now, what is 
mm-hmm. the most expensive album. Here's something by Queen. We'll come back and I'll give you what I found to be sort of the top contenders. And people start, when you get up into the millions, oh, 9.6, 4.3, 4.3. <laughs> I'll give you what I think are the top contenders. But first, Queen here on Rock School. All right, there's Queen, Night at the Opera, supposedly mm-hmm. the most expensive album ever made. No. When you do the actual numbers, it's a nice statement and everyone believes it because it's Queen. Right, exactly. Nice statement, not true. As a matter of fact, as we move forward trying to find the most expensive album ever made, mm-hmm. four years after the making of A Night at the Opera, uh-huh. it was defeated. As a matter of fact, it was celebratorially huh. defeated. Really? Fleetwood Mac's Tusk. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, Even no. in the the press, mm-hmm. it was defeated. A $1 million price tag was laid across it in many music magazines, which mm-hmm. would be changed up to $1.4 million in 1979. So they now, paid $1 million in 79. Or $1.4, depending on which source okay. you look at. So the $1.4 already defeats it in today's money. Gotcha. So that's yeah. the thing. Okay, now let's remember rumors had already come out, so mm-hmm. to look and throw you know that kind of money at Fleetwood Mac is not a dumb idea. It's right. not like you're throwing it at a brand new group. Rumors had come out, wow, look at this, let's throw all this kind of money at these guys. So where did all of this money go? Well, they, Fleetwood mm-hmm. Mac, wanted to take their advance and build a brand new stinking studio. Ah. Didn't do it. So what they did is they went ahead and custom fit Studio D at the Village Recorder in Los Angeles, which I'm sure wasn't at all cheap. So new equipment, new wall treatments, new everything. Mm -hmm. And you know Stevie Nicks wanted to have, I'm sure, billowy (laughs) curtains and things like that. $70,000 of it went to buy a sports car for Mick Fleetwood. Of course, he didn't didn't use money. He bought it with cocaine. So I'm sure that I'm sure there was the exchange rate of money to cocaine. I have no idea what that exchange rate is. Yeah, I don't think I know either. Not a day after he purchases it, the car was broadsided and demolished before it was even given insurance. So, Wow. Many, 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 many days. The session would go literally all night and no audio would be put to tape whatsoever. The recording studio was simply uh-huh. being paid for so the band could have a party you know that the band <laughs> intermarried interdated <laughs> so it's just a giant party that they paid for now tusk comes out uh-huh. 20 songs double album it's going to sell 4 million records therefore making it profitable right so it's not like a Chinese democracy, which is on this list, mm-hmm. that paid $11 jillion dollars uh-huh. and gets nothing. Yeah, because it wasn't that good. Right. They paid the <laughs> $1.4 million and ba-boom, out comes this winner. Mm-hmm. So is that at $1.4 million in 1979 money? Mm-hmm. Is that the most expensive album? No, I'm no, no, I'm afraid it's not. Fleetwood Mac Tusk here on Rock School.
Making our way through what might be the most expensive albums to make, not to go by, but the most expensive albums to make here in the rock and roll world. And this is any genre, right? Well, I found mostly rock because I can't believe that you would have like Frank Sinatra, <laughs> you know, cover himself in such excess. Mm -hmm. you, you get the feeling he came in, you know, I'm going to smoke a cigarette. You guys have the horn section down when I get back. You know, one <laughs> well, or I'm two thinking, takes. I'm thinking like today's rappers, the money that they spend. Oh, I have one. Oh, you do? I okay. have one or two here from some rappers. And it, it got silly. Kanye West is on this list. Oh, God. And the Why stuff, does that not surprise me? I know. The stuff that they do just to spend someone else's money. You uh -huh. know, you have to give the money back. And, and this little one I'm going to talk about now, you'll see where the money ran into some trouble. Mm -hmm. You know Tears for Fears? They had an 85 yeah. album called Songs from the Big Chair with Shout. Okay. Yeah. Let it all out. There, the other big, the big hit was uh, "Everybody Wants to Rule the World." Oh yeah, I remember, you remember that? that? Yeah, big hits. Their follow-up album, "Seeds of Love," one big hit. So in the "Seeds album? of Love," they did. They really <laughs> did, and it did have a hit, "Seeds of Love." Okay. One point five million was the budget for the album. Now remember, this is late eighties, right? So $1.5 is not absurd. Mm -hmm. Blew the budget out of the water. How much was it? See, that's where I don't have it. Like I said at okay. the beginning of the show, I don't have all the numbers. What I have is that they blew the budget out of the water. Mm -hmm. Guys, you got $1.5 million. Make an album. It's not enough. You know, $1.5 <laughs> isn't enough. Make an album, fellas. <laughs> Now, remember, this is a band that used electronics. This is a band that used samplers, drum mm -hmm. machines, and such. And for the first 10 months of the process, just what they had done. Samplers, machines, what have you. Right. After 10 months, they have next to nothing on tape and went, nah, let's make this a human album. They decide what? to go with nothing but, you know, human musicians, uh -huh. fly to Kansas City to grab this singer and player named Oleta Adams. You probably know her. You probably play her on this radio station. Okay. They saw her performing in a Kansas City hotel bar two years earlier, and they wanted her. Huh. Fine. So they blow all this cash to go and find this young lady in Kansas City, mm -hmm. bring her in, and she's on the album. Great. Rewrite more songs now, two years after that sojourn, they uh -huh. have this. One of the guys in Tears for Fears gets a divorce and decides to sow the wild oats for a second time in his <laughs> life. He's a rock star, blows all kinds of money on that. The album is now this worldwide success. Like you said, well, they might not be big here, but, you know, there. Okay, you know, that makes Australia, sense. Australia, Europe. Sells like crazy. Mm -hmm. They blow so much money that even though it is a multi-million seller, uh -huh. nothing. They can't defeat the money that they wow. spent. And they have to go on this huge world tour to defeat the debt that was incurred by making the album. And mm -hmm. the two guys that are Tears for Fears, Orzabel and Smith would have to part ways after the tour because it was such a, wow. I guess, a pressure cooker yeah, on top sure. of the two of them. So, Tears for Fears, I don't know how much it was. Just know their original budget was 1.5, and they blew it out of the water. Wow. So, Tears for Fears, Seeds of Love here in Rock School. All right, coming into the first break, here's one we're not going to play. You asked about rappers. I did. Kanye West. Uh, Here it comes. Do you listen to Kanye West at I don't. all? You I don't. Refuse. So you don't know the album My Dark 
twisted, beautiful fantasy. No. My apologies. I got it wrong. My beautiful, dark, twisted fantasy. I'm sure the audience <laughs> out there stopped dead. Hey, hey, Joe. Let's get, fix that. Get the words in the correct order. Yeah. Okay. In 2010, Kanye spent $3 million recording a majority. A majority. So $3 million uh-huh. wasn't the whole gig. Of My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. He was at the Avex Honolulu Studios. Fine. Okay. You know, why not? You know, if you can afford it, go to Honolulu. Why Why do you have to record in downtown Cleveland? Exactly. You know, go to Honolulu. I have no trouble with that. The group, I guess, mm-hmm. whomever is his production crew... <laughs> ordered and rented him a glass-enclosed mansion. I have no idea what that means. He never slept a night, it says here. (laughs) He lived in the studio either 90 minutes at a time or an hour at a time in a studio chair or on a studio couch sleeping so he could be working literally around the clock. He had people engineering music Uh in three studios at one time. Round the clock for seven days to create this album. That's insane because you know just a little bit of production, you have to take a break. You oh, have it gets to walk boring. away. Right. I tell students you will never do anything as time consuming as editing audio or editing video. Absolutely. So how is that productive? How is I, what I have to believe he had multiple engineers, multiple Uh people who would do the editing, multiple effects engineers, and he rotated them out. Furthermore, like I said, 24 hours a day, because he and the producers and his guests had to eat, he employed two private chefs, one for hot food and one for cold food. (laughs) Now, come on. Because, because if you cook hot food, you definitely cannot do cold. I understand. It's just not possible. Being a sous chef, as I am, <laughs> come on. So $3 million, only a majority of my beautiful, dark, twisted fantasy. I don't That's know why right. I can't That's get insane. that right. Hello, Radio Universe. Dad Salamanca Spain. Thanks for running the radio show. WYAP in Clay, West Virginia. Wonderful. Please like us on Facebook. Please. I'm begging you. You can't <laughs> see it, but I'm down on both knees. Truly. No, nah, actually, I'm not. We'll be back in just a minute here on Rock School. All right, coming out of the break, here's another one. I don't have a final number for, but I do have some numbers. Okay. Steely Dan's Gaucho. Okay. Now, Steely Dan, yes, they toured, and they're touring now. Okay. Well, I, I don't know if they're touring now, but they either just finished a tour or they're at the end of a tour. They came through New Orleans not too, too long ago. Okay. So they were touring out. But for a while, they weren't a big touring band. They were more in the studio and were known for staying in the studio forever until they, Fagan and Becker, got it just right. Oh, okay. They would bring in four or five guitarists to all play just a solo. And then for two hours would listen to each solo 14 times. It'd be, hmm, I don't know. Better bring in four more. Oh, wow. And this is all studio time just running away. But right. they would create albums that would sell. So, mm-hmm. the you know, the, the record companies aren't dumb. Are these albums selling? Well, yes. Okay. Allow them to indulge themselves. Exactly. So, Gaucho. Big hits off of Gaucho. And we'll play one. Fine. 
Expensive, expensive delays. Drugs, mainly. (laughs) Becker was a drug addict also. He was terribly hurt because he was a hero. Mm -hmm. He pushed a woman out of the way of a car, and bango, the car hit him. Ah. So he spends a ton of time in the hospital. Mm -hmm. While the recording is going on, Donald Fagan is calling him on the phone and playing things for him over the phone, blah, 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 blah. Uh He's also sued by um, his girlfriend's family because his girlfriend passes away from drugs. They sue him because he supposedly introduces her to drugs. The whole thing is eventually ruled in Becker's favor, but Uh that is paid for, da, da, da. Bad luck keeps going on and on and on. There is a $1 million lawsuit that was settled out of court. Mm -hmm. Some jazz musician states they stole some of his music for one of the tracks on Gaucho. $1 million there. A final mix to a song called Babylon Sisters is completely erased has to be redone oh wow the fade out on one of the songs takes 55 attempts to get exactly the way they want it a hundred and fifty thousand dollars is dropped creating a drum machine they called it (laughs) wendell i've got a bunch of them even you know here 42 musicians were brought in to contribute to the recording Now, your husband owns and operates just a little tiny recording studio. You know how much time adds up? Exactly. You can imagine. So I'm trying to do the math in my head. I've told you about, about, what, two and a half million dollars here? I I was at about three. Yeah, you Mm -hmm. can imagine. And this was recorded back in the 1970s. That's crazy. Up and up and up and up and up. Mm -hmm. Steely Dan, Gaucho, here on Rock School. This is Hey 19. All right, coming out of Steely Dan, maybe the most expensive album of all time, but I don't have any numbers, obviously. I just have circumstantial evidence. Mm -hmm. For the next one, I have actual numbers, and this is the album everyone's going, what about (laughs) the... Well, this is the one you've been waiting for. But first, let's do the names. I'm Joe Burns. You are... Monique Gregoire. Bottom of the hour. That means seven days in 70 seconds for these rock and roll dates, December 15th through December 21st. The Christmas show is next week because it's going to land perfectly on Christmas Day, and I know people are going to Stop watching the football game. Stop opening up their presents and listen to the Rock School radio show. I believe you have Monday, Monique. Go. December 15th, 1984. Do They Know It's Christmas by Band-Aid entered the UK chart at number one and stayed there for five weeks. It became the the biggest selling UK single of all time with sales over three and a half million. Right. For famine in Africa. December 16th, 1967. The Rolling Stones announced that Marion Faithful was the first signed to their mother, Earth label. December 17th, 2004, Elvis Presley's daughter, Lisa Marie Presley, agreed to sell 85% of his estate to businessman Robert Sellerman in a deal worth $100 million. Yeah, if you get to go to Graceland, go at Christmas. Oh, we're going to go one day. Not just because it's decorated, no one's there. Really? Yeah, we went, and I mean, no one was there. Had the place to ourselves. 
December 18, 2005, Fairy Tale in New York was voted the favorite Christmas song ever in a VH1 poll. Song by the Pogues and Christy McCall took the top spot. Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You took second. And Wham's Last Christmas came third. December 19, 1964, the Supremes scored their third U.S. number one single of the year when Come See About Me went to the top of the charts. December 20, 1974, former James Gang guitarist Joe Walsh officially replaces Bernie Leadon in the Eagles. And December 21, 1968, Glenn Campbell tops the U.S. album chart with Wichita Lineman. Although the LP would stay on the chart for 46 weeks, it would be Campbell's only number one album. All right. This is the album. You know You know this is the one people are screaming about. Uh-huh. Chinese Democracy. Oh, yeah. I remember waiting for it to come out. Oh, I, I bought it immediately. Uh-huh. I had to hear this piece of junk. <laughs> it's, this, it was either going to be a godsend, a religious experience, right. or it was going to go right off the cliff. Oh, yeah. It was neither. Mm. It, it was okay. It was, yeah. Exactly. It yeah. was just kind of okay. Yeah. 14 years it took to do this through Geffen. It came out in 2008, and again, it was okay. Mm-hmm. Why did it take so long? Well, 14 years. Uh, also, Geffen gave Axl Rose pretty much carte blanche to do whatever the heck he wanted. <laughs> the guitarist Buckethead played in a makeshift chicken coop. They built a chicken coop for what? him. I don't know. <laughs> Axel had a spiritual therapist there the whole time. He re-recorded every single song off of Guns N' Roses' debut album, Appetite for Destruction. What? I, I, again, why? You know. Because I guess he could. $13 million were spent in production costs. So there's the cost of the album. Where did it all come from? The guitar technicians were paid $11,000, $6,000 for the chief engineer. You know, Uh it doesn't say per what. I'm assuming per month. Okay. Uh, Rental of the studio was $50,000 per month. They bought not just guitars, but they bought the best guitars, like 59 Les Paul Gold Tops. I mean, if... Because <laughs> why would you do any less? Sure. Why not just buy a guitar of today? No, no, no. Buy the whole thing. <laughs> when it finally comes out in November 23rd of 2008, Dr. Pepper said, you know, we'll give everybody a free Dr. Pepper when it comes out, thinking this thing's never coming out. <laughs> Dr. Pepper made good on it. They gave really? everyone a Dr. Pepper when the thing came out. So, if you haven't heard it, here's Chinese Democracy. Here you go on Rock School. Coming to the second break, here's a, a couple we're not going to play. Corn Untouchables. Okay, yeah. $4 million. Okay. So blatantly, and a lot of stuff here, they rented five houses, went to Canada, rented more houses, <laughs> that kind of thing. $4 million, okay. But it sold. Right. Right. Here's one that cost a whole bunch of money, but did not sell. Do you remember how big Garth Brooks was in the 90s? Yes. Yeah. And you know what? I didn't dislike him as much as as a rock person. <laughs> I'm supposed to hate Garth Brooks for what he was. You know, if you were a country mm-hmm. fan, he did everything you wanted. Mm-hmm. Put on a big show. That's what I was. I've lots heard. of lights, you know, played country rock music, wore the Mo Better shirts. <laughs> if you were a country music fan, Garth Brooks was exactly what you wanted. So it's real hard. Mm-hmm. 
to be a music snob and say, oh, he sucks, because he didn't. Well, and he leaks into pop, too, I think. A little bit, Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, he got a little too big for his britches and decided to put out a rock album under the name of Chris Gaines. Oh, I remember this now. I do remember that. It was so, well, I didn't hear the album, but the cover was really bad. I bought it. Did you? (laughs) No, no, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. That's not true. Um, It was given to me through a radio station. I got it through a cutout. And I listened to it. How bad was it? Oh, it it was terrible. (laughs) It it was schlocky, country rock pop. I think he tried like crazy to sound like the Eagles, but, Uh. you know, (laughs) not super. Uh, Garth Brooks and the Life uh, of Chris Gaines. Fine. It was such a commercial flop. Now, someone's going to say, no, no, no. It sold two million albums, which was phenomenal for a debut album. If Mm -hmm. you take Chris Gaines as, you know, debut. Obviously, it was Garth Brooks. But if Chris Gaines is the debut, it sold two million albums, which is staggering for a debut album. Right. Great. Here's the problem. Pat Quigley, the president of Capitol Records Nashville, lost his job over it because it lost so much money. Really? It took over 50 musicians to record it. Only 19 of them were given credit on the album. It took $5 million in production costs. This is a rock album. What are you doing? (laughs) You know, okay, fine. Then they spent $15 million in promotion Oh yeah, for Garth Brooks to put a little, what is that, soul patch, the little piece of Didn't he hair. have like a black goth Well, he, he wore a wig. Yeah, was he bad. wore a wig because when the album came out, he hosted Saturday Night Live and whatever <laughs> the, the comedian's name was who played Mango. Oh, yeah. Uh, do you remember Mango? Yes, I love yeah. Mango. Mango was in love with Chris Gaines and <laughs> Chris Gaines came backstage, obviously, and took off the wig. Oh, it was a travesty running away. And again, I didn't dislike Garth Brooks for what he was. Right. I liked him in the same way I liked boy bands. I mean, you know, they are what they are. You can hate them, but they do mm-hmm. what they're supposed to do. Oh, it was terrible. <laughs> it really it was. was. so, so bad. Hey there, KSKQ, Ashland, Oregon. Thanks for running the radio show. WXZY in Kane, Pennsylvania. Thanks, lovely, guys. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Back in a minute on Rock School. Okay, we got to make this the last break here on Rock School. We're just running out of time. I'm going to tell you about a band, an album. Uh-huh. Then I'm going to tell you what I think is the most expensive album ever. Okay. But I can't play the most expensive album ever. I could, uh, but it would cheese so people wrong. off. Right. No, it's not. Okay. <laughs> Def Leppard's Hysteria cost $4.5 million to make in 1987. Okay. So adjusted for inflation, $11 million. <laughs> Took three years to make. And this is when Rick Allen loses his arm, plus Steve Clark was a problem, Joe Elliott gets the mumps, blah, 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 Mm blah, They lose so much money on it that the record company states this is either a hit Uh or there will be no more Def Leppard. That's all there is to it. Luckily... It was the band's best-selling album to date, 20 million copies worldwide, 12 million in the U.S., spawned seven hit singles, album charts at number one on the Billboard 200 and the U.K. album charts, and they have this monstrous, you know, tour off of it. So it all works out well. 
turn of good luck. But four point five million, and it's mostly because of Mutt Lang and his unbelievable, you know, this bit mm-hmm. of production here and there. Okay. So what is the most expensive album, at least that I could find? You <laughs> know, you got rock. we have a lot of audio files out there that mm-hmm. are able to send something in. Oh, Joe, you're wrong. What about this? Well, this is the one I could find. Mm-hmm. Michael Jackson's Invincible. Oh, Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. Why didn't I think of that? $30 million to produce. Why? Uh-huh. It states here he recorded 87 tracks for the album before the final 16 were selected. I'm not even shocked. I'm not either. (laughs) He used three studios every single day, three Uh staffed studios, because he didn't know which one he'd feel like recording at when he woke up that day. (laughs) Really diva. So So Kanye West is getting it honestly. (laughs) I think so. Sony, now this is why... You would think, well, it's Michael Jackson. They'll do anything. Well, hmm. There was sort of a backhanded, okay, Michael, keep running up debt. Sony, apparently, and this is according to MSNBC, Mm -hmm. didn't mind giving him the money because their main objective was to have the album not flop, Uh but make it so he owed them an absolute ton of cash. Oh. Why? Because then they would have leverage over him mm-hmm. to have him give them, Sony, the Beatles catalog that he wow. owned, the ATV catalog to pay it off. That's insane. Only one problem, Invincible sold. Really? Darn, darn, darn. We don't <laughs> own the Beatles catalog. So we got to end it. Let's play Def Leppard. And that'll finish the whole thing up. So there you go. Next week, it's Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yay. Merry, Merry Christmas. And then after that, we'll do the show that we always do to end the year, uh, Those Who Left Us mm-hmm. in 2014. One more tip of the hat to them. So I'm Joe Burns. Monique Gregoire. That does it. Class is dismissed.